All right. It is uh, coming up on just after nine o'clock on Sunday. It's April 25th, 2021. Today was a good day. I went to the suburbs, good old Lake in the Hills, and my sister-in-law got a new job with Bolero. Bolero. Bowl it up. So that's really awesome. So we celebrated, and it was just good to see everyone. It was really good to see everyone. The Oscars are on tonight. I'm not a big Oscars guy. I just don't, um, I don't know. Not for me. But I am a big believer in just enjoying maybe just a night in and just relaxing. And sometimes it's good just to take a second, collect your thoughts, see where your head's at, and kind of go from there. I asked my dad today. I felt like I sound like a little kid. I asked my dad today. We were sitting in the kitchen. We had finished up eating and I asked him, how do you comprehend life? And he said something along the lines of, you just have to find your purpose. And I said to dad, there's so many people alive. There's so many purposes. And he said, when you, and he said it so casually, but he goes, when you have a servant mentality, like that's how he rolled into it. When you have a servant mentality, he said, when you have a servant mentality and you just want to help others, life will provide you with what you need. And he's a dentist, but he's very involved in his community. Growing up, we did... Algonquin Founders Days, and so Founders Days is their annual, there's like, they set up like a, a stage, and, and they've got all these, you know, food trucks, and he always did like, kid, he always sponsored kids games, so there was, I think it was a Friday, it was always Friday morning through until like Friday at five, but just all these little stations for like families to come and do like, you know, bag toss or you know, like hit all the bottles down, like balloon pop, like throw darts at a, a board. We said, you have a servant mentality. Growing up, he made my brother and sister and I watch this movie called The Answer, which was tech, it was basically just like a documentary sort of from people who were affected by or people who also contributed to the book the answer which is just the idea that the universe has this cohesion with us and we can emit you know what we want or don't want and and one of the examples that always stood out to me was the way to remember just how it all works together is if you think to yourself i don't want the parking ticket i don't want the parking ticket and then you get the parking ticket the universe can't decipher, I guess, like, (laughs) you just kept thinking parking ticket. But we watched that so much growing up that, you know, it's, do you, you know, can you really live in that, I guess. 
But the people who were in the documentary, I mean, they were sharing stories of like this one guy, I think he he or, or somebody else was involved with like the chicken soup for the soul books. And this guy talked about he was or he might have been a realtor or something, but he he went in a magazine and he picked this house of like a goal house that he wanted. And he put it on his vision board. And then years go by, like 10 years went by and he he forgot about it. But then he's moving into his house and he had a, a son in the meantime. And his son was sitting on this box. And it always stood out to me because the guy said, honey, what are you doing? After he said that it was his son. And I was like, I don't know if I'd ever like being called honey by my dad or my mom. <laughs> but he, he said the box that he was sitting on was a box from his old office before they moved. And he, he goes and he pulls out his vision board. And the house that he put on his vision board 10 years ago was not a house like the one he was living in. It was the house that he had just moved into. Pretty pretty compelling, but we watched that like eight times or something. Like they just kept him and um, his second wife, so my stepmom, they just kept like they believed in it so much that they were just like, watch it again. And my sister and I, we always laughed because there was this like crazy scientist looking guy. And he was talking about how they did a study with, they took a cell, a stem cell, and they split it. And then they put part of it in one part of the world and then another one in another part of the world. And then when one was stimulated a certain way, the other one reacted a certain way. So they just wanted to show that there was like this under the cellular connection that exists within the world. So anyway, hearing servant mentality, you know, today when I asked him that question and, you know, when you live in that and you just want the best for others, life will provide what you need. Just reminded me of all those years watching the the answer documentary but i i don't know you know i don't know you know if you know you know i've never jumped on that i key what is i k no i y k y k if you know you know i don't think i've ever put that anywhere so i'm jealous of everyone who's like part of it but it was a good trip down there I always like to bring Lucy. He's my dad's living with um, somebody who has two dogs, two uh, Labradoodles. So it's always good to have Lucy around those dogs. Just some, you know, some action, some activity. But I worked today. I pulled out the laptop on a Sunday, and I had the everything sprawled out on the table, the the kitchen table, and. I was like, is this the start of being a busybody on the weekends? Is this the the birth of that? When Curtis Sterneman becomes a a workaholic? I don't think so. But it was a good weekend. Dreams and goals. How do you separate them? Is a dream something that if you don't get it, 
you're okay with because it was shooting for the stars anyway? Is a goal something that you can strategically apply day-to-day effort towards? What's the difference? I don't know. You got to believe in them. You got to have hope. If you don't have hope, then what are you doing? Hope is hope is everything. We hope for a better tomorrow. But today's still pretty great for some people. Today could have been the worst day for somebody. Today could have been the best day for somebody. How do you do the dance of life is short, but I want to make sure that I'm making good decisions to plan for a very long future. I want to plan for longevity. How do you balance that? How do you pursue what you want to achieve in life without walking over people to get there? How do you want to become hell-bent on accomplishing accomplishing a goal but then let life take you where it needs to? Because that was the other thing my dad told me. He said, life's a journey. I said, come on, man. That's one of those cliche things. I mean, everybody says that. And... And then it's just up to you, I guess. I, how do you want to live your life? What do you want to believe in? But I get on the highway, heading back into the city, and it's just, here we go again. Sunday to Monday, Monday to Tuesday, Tuesday to the rest of the work week. I heard Sunday scaries for the first time about a year ago. So I guess that's a thing. But does it have to be, you know? If you're lucky enough to be at a, to work for four, to work for, I think I've got to dial in on my accent a little bit. I feel like sometimes I, someone told me, I cringe every time you say pop. (laughs) Pop. Pop. But I get on the highway and, you know, you get your playlist going. Maybe I should, you know, give myself some more time on the weekends to find new music. You know, maybe that's just something that could help. Just figure out, you know, instead of playing the same stuff over and over and over, just finding some new tunes, finding some tasty beats, enjoying the plethora of music that exists in the world. If you really want to be wowed by a music video, watch Adventure of a Lifetime by Coldplay and tell me that you don't feel a little bit taken back by the idea that at one point, who created the first kick drum? (laughs) Who created the first musical i mean tribal tribal speaking maybe around the the campfire doing rain dances i don't know 
in grade school, I read this book called Bugle Boy. I think it was in sixth grade. Kind of a messed up role, I got to be honest. These young soldiers back in the Civil War era had to grab a bugle and walk in the middle of a war zone. Or it was like a, a drummer boy. Might have been drummer boy. And just do the beat, man. I think it was more for as they were marching. But they were just the beat, the beat keepers. But they had to go into the war zone just like everybody else. So I'm glad the draft doesn't exist. That would really suck. But I, you know, I, you know, I might feel invigorated by it. I'm not, you know, touchy subject, getting chills talking about it, steering clear pretty much immediately. But side note, and if you're listening, you're in for a ride. This is just, (laughs) this is randomness. There's no rhyme or reason. When I moved to the city, I didn't realize that the snow doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> it can't. I mean, there's there's too many streets. There's too many cars. I have street parking, which at first I was like, oh, that's great. My street's pretty good. I can find a spot pretty close. It's always good to get right in front of the building. It's always a good day. But it snowed so much this winter. And my car was completely covered. And some cars, they don't they don't care. They just leave it there. They will leave like two and a half, three feet of snow on top of their car. Because the snowplow comes, just piles it all up. And I remember I had to dig myself out. It took like 25 minutes. I had to go two feet over to the left. I was parked on the, on the right side of the street. Two feet left. I had to just get out into the road. But that two feet of snow, if even foot and a half high where's it gonna go it can't go anywhere so i shoveled more this past winter than i think i've shoveled most winters when i was on driveway duty growing up but i didn't think about it but as soon as it happened i'm like of course of course where else would it go deep dish pizza i believe unfortunately, is getting knocked down on my preferred pizzas. And I'll tell you why. I think if I leave Chicago and I don't have the luxury to order it, I won't be saying this. But since I'm here and sometimes it's just such an easy thing to be like, oh, I could could go for a pizza. But I don't know if I heard it somewhere or I just thought it. I probably heard it somewhere. It's just lasagna. Like, (laughs) it's just. And so I'm a lose guy. Love Lou Malnati's. And I had Giordano's the other night. And it honestly just felt like, because Lou's at least, they give you like a, a defined bottom crust. They They do you well. Giordano's very thin, and then it's just a ton of cheese, which for those cheese lovers, you're probably sitting pretty. 
all right, this is my kind of pizza. I'm more for kind of the whole comprehensive bite. I'm a big mouthfeel guy. In high school, I used to, and even in college, I'd say I really liked cottage cheese. I haven't had cottage cheese in probably two or three years. It's been a while. Same with some other. I don't eat things nearly as often or if at all that I used to. In college, I used to go and it would be like late at night. And sometimes I would even bring it into bed because my TV was set up at the foot of my bed. Excuse me. That's nasty. I would get a bag of shredded cheese and eat it like chips. I'm not kidding. Oh, you know what? I didn't even, I had no shame going to Walmart and buying two huge family size bags of like Fiesta blend, <laughs> like mozzarella. To, so I didn't feel guilty, right? I didn't feel guilty about getting the white cheese, but I used to eat it like chips. And then it was just no shame after a good cheese eating session to look down and just see all these cheese crumbs and just shake them off act like i didn't like when lucy was like my dog like <laughs> helping me out clean i'm like i don't know get away no shame i couldn't do that if i tried now oh just the stuff stuff you don't do anymore the cafeteria you know what uh it was magic when I found out that the cafeteria at Wyoming did late night snacks. Bad news for Curtis. Bad news. My buddy and I, we would go there. I think they started it at like nine. Corn dog night. Best night. Corn dogs. Everybody in here. Just bad, bad news for Curtis. Cafeteria, though. Washakie, Laramie, Wyoming. Place to be. That's where all the fun happened. The dorm that I was in had this, like, underground walkway to get to the cafeteria. I think it was two of them did. And then beyond those two, you had to do this terrible thing and walk outside. But I don't think about those those days as often as it may seem like I do. They just come up here because I I don't know. You know, for the cheese thing, that's kind of working back from like junior year back. And I'm thinking about like freshman year and just eating was just not, was a non-thought for me. I didn't care what I ate. I just had to keep eating. I was watching, I got... I don't know if it's either I was looking at some stuff that initially at Facebook go, oh, are you interested in, in powerlifting? Or I just started watch, or it just like suggested that. And then I was like, oh, powerlifting. That's interesting. But I started to watch things like the, the mountain. So Thor Bjornsson from Iceland. Just monster, whatever he lifts. And then Eddie Hall, the beast from London. And I was watching a documentary with my buddy. We were watching one on Netflix about Eddie Hall. And I think I said something like, I just can't believe that you can get your body up to that point. Just by like, just why would you, it would hurt so bad. Like just eating all that. And he's like, 
Well, I mean, they're roiding. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> when I think of steroids, I think of, like, your bodybuilders, defined, like, Olympia guys. I didn't ever think that, <laughs> that like, those thick, questionably, like, fat-looking dudes that could just, like, throw weight like crazy were roiding. But then it clicked, and, he, you know, he, I had to give it to him. Like, he was just like, you got to be kidding me. You thought they could do that just by, like, eating a lot? And I'm like, yeah. I know, you know, I'm getting there, but it clicked for me because I have seen for the guys who do like the Olympia, those like strongman, like muscle definition shows. I, you know, I've, I've seen where when they're not like shredding before the show, they do like bulk up. So they do put weight on, but to watch, uh, Eddie Hall and to see like how much he was doing as far as like squatting, deadlifting and everything. It made me think about as an O lineman in college, if a strength coach knows about putting mass on, and we had a strength coach like this, you're really getting about as close as you can to what your body would be doing metabolically if you were taking steroids without doing that. And what I mean by that is you're eating, 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 you're keeping your weight at this at this certain level. You're you know, whether we had to do weigh-ins where I remember I came in like three pounds under and because it was so close, you can question, okay, water weight maybe, but just to pound a couple shakes and then reweigh would be like, great. You got there. Okay. Perfect. But that's, that's the norm. I mean, you got to like always just, if you didn't do it before, you just got to push a little bit more and more. And the other thing was we got Wyoming got really big in and I think they did it after even to, you know, a, a further extent. And I know a lot of colleges do it, but into the sleeping of each athlete. So we would have we had to get this app. And then before we would start workouts, we came in and we had to do this like uh, nervous system test. We had to put these electrodes on our, our forehead and our our chest and our wrist. And then it would measure like our nervous system. It's pretty wild. But when you have good sleep, and I was watching this hard knocks of the Texans. And J.J. Watt was, apparently he hooked it up with the equipment managers where he had this like queen bed tucked away in this like little hideout in the equipment room. And so during two days where all the players would either like nap in the locker room or some would have to like hustle home or some wouldn't even sleep in between practices, he mentioned something about research and an Olympic uh, athlete sleeping like eight to uh, 10 hours a night. So he tried to just maximize his sleep. And there's something to it where you have a natural HGH, HGH production that happens at certain stages of sleep. And, and if you can maintain deep sleep long enough, your body kind of naturally produces that. The people who take that as a supplement, that's kind of when you get into like the steroids and, you know, additives. But... No joke. I mean, we were putting a lot of mass on to get everything just maxed out. But eating, those days, those were the days. Now I go to, you know, I go home. My dad's, God, he comprehend life, that conversation. <laughs> he smoked a brisket for 17 hours. 17 hours. He smoked that brisket. And I was like, okay, gotta watch how many pieces I'm eating here. 
because I don't want to uh, wake up tomorrow and be like, damn, now I got to work out a little harder than I wanted to. But it's all good. It's all fun. I'm going to open up here a little bit. You know, 24 minutes in, I have been doing some thinking. I know that's weird for me to do some thinking. And I can't sit here and think, why do we live a life of like, what are your cards? What are your plays? What are your moves? Like, how do you, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game type of. And I'm interested in, in if you keep showing your cards, do you get more cards? Or do you fall on your face and then have to like keep working through things? So here's some of my cards. Okay. I recently started to look into the world of medical device sales, like OR hospital medical device sales. Interested. It's an amazing industry. The work that happens in that industry by not only the reps for the companies that provide the knowledge base and the products, the innovative products for surgeries to not only improve patient outcomes, to save time in the OR, to make surgeries more efficient, have the healing process go smoother, and then ultimately save the surgeon time because anytime you can save time anywhere, maybe you get to a patient sooner than you could have. Maybe you allow that surgeon to go home sooner than they would have. And now they get to be more rested for the next day. So it all accumulates. So the industry is amazing. The fact that as a salesman, if you follow me on Snapchat, you'll understand why that, I don't know where it came from. Zales. I just think it's funny. I'm in Zales. <laughs> That's incredible to me. I love what I do. I work with a company right now. Those sirens go shy town. I work for a company right now. Hope everyone's okay. Prayers and hopes to you. Get well soon. The company I work for right now, I love what I do. It's something that is a growing need, in my opinion, of course, being the, the salesman for the company. Of course, I'm going to believe that to, to a degree. But I wear what I sell. It's this medical device for obstructive sleep apnea. So snoring and, and essentially what it is is your airway collapses. At night, your muscles relax and you restrict airflow and you have arousals at night, not what you think, but you have arousals that pull you out of deep sleep. And we talk about the benefits of getting into deep sleep and HGH production, body recovery. If your airway collapses and your body, now it's shocking your nervous system because your brain is not getting oxygen. So your brain has to then send a signal down to your, your lungs and your heart and say, you better wake up, man. Or, or lady, man or lady, man or woman, lady or guy, and you better get some air. 
If you're always having to do that throughout the night, they're called apneic events, then you're never getting a good night's rest. And then you're getting restless the next day. There are a lot of car accidents that happen because of people being, you know, not uh, drunk or, you know, nothing as far as them being intoxicated or inebriated, but just tiredness. And, and there's always those studies that come out about like if you, you know, only got this many hours of sleep, it's equivalent to as if you had just taken like two shots of vodka or something. So just I always view it as, yes, it's like it's sleep, but I think that sleep is it's just do we really think about it all the time? So I'm kind of going off on a, t- a tangent here, but do we think about sleep as much as, as as important as it is? And there are a lot of people that have OSA, obstructive sleep apnea. There are a lot of people that, you know, even just for snoring. So just snoring is what snoring is is it's your air your airways closing enough to cause a vibration uh, when you breathe. So what the medical device that I sell, how it works, and I'd love to be in front of you to do my my Zales demonstration, but it's a device, it's called a mandibular advancement device or an oral or oral appliance therapy. And so what it does is you would go to a dentist to get this device. They take an impression, so I'm just going to kind of go through the process of to kind of piece it all together. So think about your pearly whites right now. Think about your upper and lower rows of teeth. You'd go to your dentist. They would take impressions. Most dentists nowadays, they have these beautiful things called scanners where they can just kind of take these digital images of, of all of your teeth. And then they're going to take what's called a protrusive bite position. So it's where they're going to place your mandible, which is your lower jaw. So maxillary, mandibular, maxillary upper, mandibular lower. And they're going to ask you to move your mandible. And every every dentist has a different way of doing it. And that's, you know, part of the awareness of it is, you know, as, as it's growing and it's a treatment that's being offered is there has to be the studies, you know, to back you know, how efficient is one way over the other and, and all, you know, ways do work as long as the patient is, you know, alleviating their symptoms and, and finding better sleep, better quality of life, better quality of sleep, then we're on the right track. But what this device does is if you snore, so let's say, well, I don't know if I snore. Well, that's a good question. Do I snore? There's a way to quickly, I mean, it's just, you know, some dentists rely on this, some don't. I'm getting to the point. Don't worry. I'm getting there. There's just kind of a, I'm just trying to see how comprehensive I can make it. So if I kind of sit here and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to make, I'm going to plug my nose and I'm going to make a snore sound. Okay. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to plug my nose and I'm going to push my lower jaw forward, cause like, um, like an underbite. And then based on how far that underbite is, might be a good starting position for this device. Okay, so I'm going to just go through. So the first breath in is going to be without moving my jaw. The second breath is going to be with my jaw forward. And you can see the snoring being alleviated or hear it, I should say. So you open up the airway. And the snoring subsides 
but you had to put your jaw in a position that allowed your airway to open to allow the snoring to decrease. And the goal is that it is eliminated. Now, snoring is one thing. Obstructive sleep apnea is another where if you can maintain that position, you can keep the airway open. You're going to help the, um, the, the airflow throughout the entire night. Your airway is not going to collapse and the O2 is going to have a very healthy, consistent flow throughout the night. You're going to get through the stages of sleep that you need to get to as if your airway wasn't collapsing. So what this device does is it fits sort of like a mouth guard, upper and lower, and then designed on the side of these arch forms, these mouth guard looking arch forms, is whatever mechanism the company that makes this, and, and every company is different. My company does it one way, another company does it another way, but those mechanisms are positioned in a place that's going to put your jaw in the position that your dentist found. Which is going to keep your jaw forward. And that's going to open your airway. Because what they found is the CPAP machine, which stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. You put the mask on and it just blows this small amount of pressure. And in some cases, it's, it's a lot of pressure. And it isn't comfortable. In fact, sometimes they have issues, patients have issues with the air seeping out of the mask. And now it's like getting up into their nose and they wake up and they've got this mask imprint. But CPAP is this continuous positive airway pressure that is keeping your airway open just by blowing air down at all, all night. So it's just keeping the, the, the pharynx from collapsing. So what they found with these devices is by moving the jaw forward, you can open the airway in a similar fashion. You don't have to take it out in the middle of the night because CPAPs in some cases are just prescribed to be worn four hours a night. So what that means is you go, you know, let's say if you're a good sleeper, you go to sleep at eight o'clock, you gotta wake up at midnight and take that thing off and then keep sleeping. So that's called compliance. So compliance for a CPAP machine is only about 50%. So only about 50% of people actually wear their CPAP machines, which isn't good because if you've got someone who is restless, doesn't get the sleep they need, goes on the road, has an issue. And the other thing is not just for, for road safety, but cardiovascular disease, you start to put more stress on the heart because the heart can't keep fighting the fact that you're not breathing at night and has to have that shock. It has to wake up your mind. Is, okay, you got to breathe. You're not breathing. You're suffocating yourself just because your body is so relaxed that it's actually collapsing your airway, your own airway. So with these devices, you can, and I wear one. I, I have one myself. I've been wearing it for about a year and a half. I'm not going to be too far to say that I owe the fact that I always have the energy to stay consistent working out that I've seen some of the success I've I've seen as far as my weight loss goes and just being able to to kind of maintain that healthy level because I just always get good nights of sleep. And I joked at the last sales meeting that I had with my company and we went out, just great to see everybody. And we, we had some drinks that night and then I had to do a presentation the next day. And I joked as I'm going up, I said, you know, as soon as we can advertise this as a hangover cure where numbers are going to be to the moon because there are times where I'll get home from, you know, a night out and I'll, I'll put the device in and I wake up and it's 
still a great night of sleeping because when you drink, you're even more relaxed. And so that would cause you know, more of these apneic events. So that's why it's called obstructive sleep apnea. But very much of a tangent. Going to be completely honest where that started. Oh, so my card. This is, <laughs> wow, I can't believe I, I grabbed onto that. I remember that thought. Okay. <laughs> so the company I work for makes the device that is an alternative treatment option for CPAP. It's not at all in an OR. I don't speak with surgeons. I speak with dentists. On some occasions, I'll speak with uh, physicians who are having the initial conversations uh, with, with some of the patients to say, you know, you got a sleep test. It looks like you have an AHI score, uh, apnea, hypopnea index. So this is how many times per hour you, you stop breathing. Let's get you to a dentist. Let's get you this device. So I sell the dentist. But it's a treatment option that kind of plays in both arenas of dentistry and um, uh, physicians. But I started to look into uh, just in, in some friends of mine that are in the, the surgical world of, of Zales. And it's intense because you're now responsible of, like I said, the knowledge base of the products you're selling to be used in surgeries. You have to help the surgeons, you have to have that education, you have to be there to make sure that someone's surgery goes well. But as I was looking into these jobs, these these places to work, I try to stay away from the word jobs. There was this guy who gave a presentation at Wyoming my senior year where he came in and it was when they started to bring in people to talk about like careers and he was always like, when you wanna leave college and get a J-O-B, and it just always stuck with me because I'm like, that's kind of true. Like the word job is just like kind of hits you. Job. You wanna you wanna find a place to work. You wanna like enjoy what you do for work. You wanna all right, the cliche thing, like if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. Right? Raise your hand if you know you've you're successful enough to find that. Good for you. I'm on my way. I think I'm there. But as I'm researching these medical device surgical positions, one that stood out was spine. I thought spine was incredibly fascinating because after I started losing weight, I noticed that my hips, my knees started to ache a little bit, but not to a point where I was like too concerned because I just knew if I can just keep getting the weight down, then I'm going to be in a good position. So I started to really think about my posture. And the other thing is that I had, I was in a relationship with um, a girl in college who was a gymnast and she actually experienced uh, an L4, L5 fracture. And so throughout college, there were just times where that kind of crept up again, that back pain crept up and it just, it made me aware of the fact that we don't think like I wasn't thinking about it, but just your spine, how crucial your spine is. And so when I was looking into these, looking at like just doing that research and just kind of interested in the industry and just like, Oh, you know, what are, what are some of those roles? Spine popped out to me and I started to look into it and, 
it was just incredible as I'm looking at these YouTube videos of like what the spine is constructed of and like all these different parts to it. And, and so one of my cards is after I found out that there is a structure to the spine and I'm always looking for things that are going to help me have this like grounding, there's three parts to the spine, the cervical, thoracic, and lumbar. The cervical has seven vertebrae. The thoracic has 12 and the lumbar has five. And then from there, it goes into the, the sac- uh, sacro- sacroiliac or um, kind of into, into your hips. But all of a sudden, I'm, I'm trying to memorize like, okay, so seven, 12, five, cervical, thoracic, lumbar. And then as I'm looking at these videos, I like notice my posture just because I'm thinking about my spine and and the cervical is an inward bend. So if you think about your neck, it has this inward kind of, uh, I believe it'd be concave. And then the thoracic is an outward bend. That's why you kind of have that like kind of that bend in your back. It's easy to, to hunch over as the thoracic part of your spine starts. And then lumbar is inward again. So we kind of have this like, you know, inward, outward, inward. So this kind of like wave, this bell curve almost to some to some degree. And so this this card, this quote unquote quote unquote card that I have, that sometimes I, I think of, this thought that pops in my head when I'm like, what do I think about? I don't know. And it, it started at the gym because I was doing RDLs, and I'm like, what an exercise that I don't think if you think about how important it is that you do the right form, you can actually mess up a lot. And so I'm doing RDLs, and I'm just saying in my head, I'm not kidding. Like <laughs> this is how simplistic my thinking can become in certain moments as I'm doing reps of something like maybe it was RDLs at the time, but I remember it was curls uh, being another time. I'm literally saying C1, C2, C3, C4, T, and then going T1, T2, because I'm just thinking if I'm going to be working out and everything kind of relates to my spine, and everything relates to this like posture, then why don't I think about how every movement I'm doing, what position am I in? Am I in line? Am I keeping everything kind of in line with what I know? 24 vertebrae, okay? We all have 24 vertebrae. And then it's pretty wild from there because the spinal cord goes, so each vertebrae has this, um, looks like a little disc. And then from the disc is this, little portion where there's this opening and as the vertebrae stack this opening becomes this column and that's where the spinal cord goes down and then after it gets to l5 it separates into there's a latin word for it it's horse's tail and it's where your nerves all spread out so you have this nice tightly wound well you'd hope it'd be relaxed right we all want to be pretty relaxed in our spines but this wound spinal cord that goes down your 24 vertebrae. And then once it gets to L5, spreads out, and then that's where it connects to your limbs. So that's something that has helped because it's just that slight putting attention to C1, C2, C3, down, okay, my neck, down the middle of my back, down my back, down to my, my lower back. And it, it, it helps. And it keeps me in relation to myself. And I'm not worried about you know, I mentioned on one of the podcasts I did, I was like, I'm walking down the sidewalk. I see someone walking towards me and I'm like, did I really just like miss a step because I 
I mean, they're like 50 feet away. Did I really just like miss a step because I was that like, you know, oh, a person's coming. Like, (laughs) got to adjust myself. And so I just throw in that idea of like my spine. Okay. How am I feeling? How is everything aligned? Let's keep it going. So that's one. And then another one was I do hot yoga now. And I do it on Sundays. And it is brutal. I'm not going to lie. It is like one of the more brutal things I've done in a long time since college football. So it's an hour and a half, 105 degrees. It's the same 16 poses. And today, I, I think I finally, we we went from like, it was a virtual one to like they do, there's an instructor now, which I think the instructor draws out every move longer and longer because there are times where I'm like, there's no way we should be like this. I've been holding this standing tree forever. But I just had the idea of what if I was like doing, you know, these positions and and I had to be stuck in the, you know, desert or death valley for an hour and a half. And you know what it made me think? You gotta, you gotta have some energy con- conservation. Con- <laughs> I was like, if I spit out conversation, I'm done. Energy conservation. It's like in the beginning when I, you know, you start to kind of sweat out a little bit. I was like, okay, if I had to be out in, you know, Death Valley for 90 minutes in the blistering sun doing these yoga poses, you know, what would be like my my mindset? What would be my train of thought? What would be like? How would I get to 90 minutes? And it was the weirdest thing because as I started to think that and I I started to like lock in that and anchor in that, I started to think to myself, when you think about the relationship between oxygen and carbon dioxide, how your body's trying to get rid of carbon dioxide and your your muscles, when you're expending your muscles, they're trying, they're building up that carbon dioxide and you need to expel that. And that's why they always say whenever you're doing, whether it's like something like squatting or or bench press, just because that's when you sort of first learn it as you start to lift in high school, you got to always keep breathing because if you're not breathing, you're not allowing that oxygen to replenish your muscles, which is why I love what I do because I work for a company that sells a device that impacts oxygen levels. And the more and the better we can breathe, <laughs> your body's optimum. So I get excited about it. But I think about the the you know Death Valley thought. I'm thinking about this heat coming at me, uh, just being in that hot room. And then what I used to always do was like I start breathing like really fast because I'm like I just got to get air into me. I gotta like keep breathing. I got. I then notice if I think about how I need to give myself that healthy oxygen, that clean oxygen, let my body do something with it, and then expel that carbon dioxide. I actually found myself like taking in a, a ton of air, like really deep breath, holding it, feeling this kind of like uh, reco- this recovery moment of like, okay, I think I, I, I'm like calming down a little bit and then breathing out. So I almost like threw the, the card, playing the card of like, imagine if I was in Death Valley for 90 minutes, what would happen? That distracted me enough to have me realize Maybe I should rethink my breathing. Maybe I should consider the idea that if I change that, I might be in a better position. So 
I don't know. You know, it worked for me. And, and it was just interesting to see that something that I thought was just going to help me have this energy conservation ended up helping me completely change how I viewed just like breathing and just like what my body needs or is doing uh, when I'm kind of in that stressful, like hot, uh, you know, just how am I going to like, how am I going to not pass out? But that's another card. So I just, you know, thinking about my spine, thinking about, you know, something like just having a wild imagination there and, and imagining if it was 90 minutes uh, in, a, in just a, a really hot place. So, you know, those are just a couple things that helped me. Another one that came up was, you know, through talking with Max on like two two recordings ago, which I'm going to start saying recordings. The word podcast is just like, come on, podcast, podcast. But I recorded my conversation with Max and it was, um, you know, you can't, you can only observe people's perspectives, but you can't think you have a place to influence perspectives. And so something that's kind of helped me take a step back is I'm always going to reference this this amazing book I'm reading. It's Sapiens, The History of Humankind. And I was reading something about as, you know, humans realize that they can take on bigger and bigger ideas about the world that they were living in. In some sense, you can view that as belief systems start to develop. It was really uh, along the lines of, ideas taking on characteristics of like considered like a common cold like it's something that can travel it's something that can get to people and and start to affect people in a different way from their normal selves and just to think that although you might not feel the same way as somebody else there's some relief that comes for that person by being able to connect with other people that believe the same thing. And so instead of just banging my head against the wall, as far as like, why don't I think that way? Or why don't I see the world that way to just remind myself that we all are going to feel different things about different things. And you just have to kind of leave it at that. And then everything else, I mean, there's going to be connections. There's going to be moments where, you can kind of realize that, wow, you too? And then you kind of go from there. But for those moments where it's just like, how how can I like connect with that? Maybe you don't have to. Maybe you don't need to. And just to think about it as like, you know, maybe I've got the common cold for a belief system. Or one of my belief systems is, is kind of giving me the, the common cold symptoms of, you know, maybe I've got a runny nose about something that, you know, someone else might have clarity more, you know, yeah, clear thinking on. So just the idea that if I kind of give it that that tangible thing, it's a little bit easier for me to comprehend. So that was another one. But cards, you know, play the card you're dealt, play the hand you're dealt. Life is a game, I guess. I think in business it is. I think definitely in business there's like a game aspect to it because we're all trying to I'm not going to generalize. I'm not, you know, 
you can't generalize. But this has been a good one. 52 minutes, you know, by myself, having a good time, enjoying Sunday night, late Sunday night before another great week. And I got to talk about what I do. And in fact, of all the things that I'm not an authority in, I might actually be somewhat of an authority of an authority. <laughs> I got to stop recording. I'm somewhat of an authority in obstructive sleep app. It's all I talk about. It's, it's all I day to day. It's just, but seriously, okay, here's the deal. No selling here. I'm not a salesman on my, on my recordings, but it really does. I took pictures of myself like a year and a half ago when I started using my mandibular advancement device and I titled the photo album OSA because from what I heard for the courses that my company sent me to and, and to get the education and in OSA, there's something called leptin, which is a substance that you, it's a chemical that your body produces that helps metabolism. And when you aren't getting efficient sleep, your leptin, your leptin levels decrease. And then someone, uh, so your metabolism isn't where it could be. And then someone also said that for every hour you don't sleep, you eat a certain number of calories the next day. Like there was some study on that because you're, you're compensating or you're trying to get more energy the next day. So when I got my device, I was like, okay, if everything that I've learned about OSA checks out and getting those better O2 levels for someone my age, for someone who's going to have, you know, consistent workouts, then I should look significantly different given a matter of time. And so I haven't taken pictures since, but I looked back at those and there is a big difference. So like I said, jokingly, you know, as soon as we can label it as like a cure for hangovers <laughs> and we, you know, I, I have talked to some, some dentists who have been interested in pursuing uh, the benefits for like athletic performance, which I talked to my company as well as, you know, to get into like the college arena because every university wants the leg up in their athletes performing well. Any, any institution would want, you know, athletic institution would want that leg up on recovery. And if it can be something, you know, essentially kind of holistic, like you're just using the, the patient's own anatomy and you're just giving them this device that can put their mandible in a position that, can allow their body to intake more O2 and be more efficient throughout their sleep, then they're going to have a better night's sleep. They're going to be more recovered for the next day of training and, and so on. But there are a lot of hoops to go through as far as, you know, do you get a dentist on staff? And of course, for like the NFL, I know that there are, you know, teams of doctors that that take care of the the athletes. But at Wyoming, we had a, a physician where, I remember when I went to go get my initial screening for getting my Adderall, I went to like a pediatrics office. Like it was like the scene in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. He's like, Pete, Peter, do you, <laughs> you look where you're sitting right now. You're, you're sitting on a fire truck. Like, <laughs> do you see the little kids running around? I'm like, what are you doing here? But that was always interesting to me too. So thank you for listening. I hope that you enjoy... I don't know. 
I don't know how to end these, but they're going to keep coming. You know, this is something that's just, it's so fun for me and I hope it's fun for you. And at the end of it all, it's just going to keep pushing me to learn more interesting things that are worth telling about. So good night, good luck, and thank you so much for your time. Have a good night.